This is VLX number 62, Persecution Will Come. St. Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 20. God give you his peace. In nomine Patris, Fidei, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris, Fidei, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Happy Easter, Christ is risen, and Christ is truly risen. Yesterday I was at the abortion center, as I usually am on Wednesdays praying, and unfortunately I took a challenge of some kids to have a running race. Probably the first time I was at a full sprint in 10 years, and I totally bit it. Got a hole in my habit that the nice lady who made my habit is going to be fixing, and got my hand all bloodied trying to get my hands on the uh, GoPro. My buddy who has a GoPro on him for legal reasons at all times while sidewalk counseling happened to turn around and saw me slide into the pavement for about six feet. I'm going to try to add the uh, video uh, on that. Well, here we are in Matthew 10. If you remember from last time, Jesus is with the apostles and he's now transferring the kingdom to them, the kingdom of suffering and the kingdom of miracles to them. And if you're up to speed doing this in real time, you might notice that the readings and Acts of the Apostles are very much in line with what the Apostles are going to experience today. So today, let's look at the line-by-line study method. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I think that's worth memorizing in any translation. Whatever translation you're using, I would suggest that you memorize that, especially that part, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I hear all kinds of Catholics try to quote that. Normie Catholics, trad Catholics, and everyone always gets that wrong. So you might want to memorize that one if you're going to be quoting it. Now, that word wolves is very interesting. Um, Jesus just said he's going to send us out in the midst of wolves. We have this modern idea where we think of everyone in the past as kind of mean, but we're a pretty nice society, right? Or we're not. Jesus meant this for us today. And what he's saying is we are in the midst of wolves today in 2021. Wolves is a reminder how Christians are to see the world. You know, the past 60 years, Catholics have tried to get along with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and it ate our lunch. Look, the world is not our friend, and we're not about to make peace with it. Um, and this, this doesn't mean we have to be obnoxious as Christians, but look at how far St. John went to write, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. That was from, I think it's the first letter of St. John. But that line, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That was the Holy Spirit speaking straight through St. John. Now that doesn't mean we don't love the people of the world. doesn't mean, in fact, we should be fasting and offering penance for them, even the worst unbelievers. But we don't try to love Hollywood as a whole or Wall Street as a whole because those things will drag you to hell. And also, if you start to see non-Christians as wolves, remember, that's our Lord's words, not mine. He, he called them wolves. R- remember then you ironically have more pity on them 
and you start to expect less from the world, kind of like under promise and over deliver to your heart. Okay, what does it mean to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves? The Greek there is also the Greek there is also translated prudent, but prudent doesn't mean dishonest, and prudent doesn't mean overly careful. I think most people today tend to think when they read that prudent either means dishonest or excessively prudish. Well, it doesn't. You may have heard me say before that prudent, according to Joseph Pieper, the great 20th century Thomist, is essentially common sense. Counsel, one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, is supernaturalized prudence. Put those two things together and essentially counsel is supernaturalized prudence. And this is why the great Carmelite and the Thomistic masters say counsel is knowing by God what to do, think, and say in every single moment. You can see how that ties directly to today's gospel. But when we combine this line about innocent as doves and wise or prudent as serpents, one of the things we can kind of extrapolate from this is don't give your heart over to anybody. Look at these saints who affected millions of people in their lives. I'll give you the example of two of my favorite, St. Peter Claver and St. John Biani. Literally millions of people knew who these men were and hundreds of thousands, if not millions, were affected directly by each man. St. Peter Claver by baptism and confession, St. John Vianney mostly by confession. They had to add a new train rail from, I think it was Paris to Lyon in the 19th century because one or two million people went to him for confession. He was the Padre Pio of the 19th century and he was a diocesan priest. So possible for any diocesan priest listening to become that holy. Um, but one of the things to consider is both those men, St. Peter Claver and St. John Vianney, they really only had two best friends their whole life. Think about that. These, these men affected millions of people, and they really only opened up the inner chamber of their heart, so to speak, to two friends. And so this ties into original sin. You know, John, Jesus said in John 2, or rather St. John writes of Jesus, quote, But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about, about man, for he himself knew what was in man. That's John 2, verse 24 to 25. Now, I had a buddy in seminary. He's now a priest. He was pretty depressed at that line that Jesus didn't entrust himself to people because, quote, he knew what was in man. That sounds pretty dark. Well, yeah, that's, that's original sin. Maybe as an ex-paramedic with what I've seen man being capable of to other man, I wasn't too sad when he said that line uh, in seminary. I didn't find that super sad. Um, because this is the effect of original sin. It has left most of the world wolves. Doesn't mean we judge them, doesn't mean we're obnoxious about being Christians, but be careful who you have your dealings with. Okay, let's look at that line, innocent as doves. You know, to tell you the truth, that's pretty straightforward. I'm not going to have any amazing in, in, insights into that. Just be innocent as doves. But another translation of the Greek there is pure. So, you know, it's kind of hard to picture yourself circumspect of fallen nature, but innocent. But really, it's not, because it kind of goes like this. You're going to be a doormat as a Christian, but don't go looking to make yourself a doormat. That's me on today's gospel, not the church father. So take it with a grain of salt, but I'm going to say it again. You will be a doormat as a Christian, but don't go looking for people to make you a doormat. Maybe that's how I would combine those two. Okay, let's continue on. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, 
to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Now, first of all, what's very interesting about that is our Lord is telling us we're going to get drugged before religious folks and non-religious folks. We're going to be persecuted by religious folks and by non-religious folks, the Gentiles, as he said. And the reason I know religious is because he said synagogues. That's the word in Greek right there. Same word in Greek, synagogues. So those two words right there, bear witness, probably most of you know this. This is the basis of the English word martyrdom. The Greek word there is marturion, but the ESV translated that as to bear witness. And who? It says bear witness before them. So that has a real sense of bearing witness before unbelievers for their sake. So why would we suffer with Christ and for Christ? Many people get this wrong. And therefore, they kind of weasel their way out of suffering. But when we understand why, then it's a little bit easier to carry our cross when persecution comes. That's the title of today's VLX. Persecution will come. So here's the three reasons that I came up with in order of importance why you want to carry your cross with Jesus, even why you would want to be persecuted with him. One, to glorify Jesus who has died for you. Two, to save your own soul. And three, to save the souls of others, including your friends, including your family, but including your enemies, as we just heard there, to bear witness, marturion, before them and the Gentiles. It kind of has this sense that you're going to be a person of great love and great non-compromise for the sake of the people persecuting you. Now, it's not to find the easy way out of this life and slip into heaven by the skin of our teeth. That is not the goal of this earth. The goal of this earth is not to slip into heaven by the skin of our teeth. Um, it's to suffer and die with Christ. And if you think that is far from us in the Western Hemisphere in 2021, let me read you directly from the news yesterday. Quote, The church in Alberta, Canada, whose pastor was in prison for more than a month after holding church services in defiance of Alberta's Public Health Act, was raided at dawn on Wednesday and shut down by government order. Grace Life Church in Parkland County, west of Edmonton, was physically closed by Alberta Health Services following repeated complaints, according to the CBC, end quote. And there was fences all around this, much like they used to do, actually still do, to these private churches or communities that they have in China. So the same persecution that is in China just made it to Canada yesterday. So I really suggest that you take the title of today's VLX seriously and pray about it. Persecution will come. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. The Greek today has those two words, how or what, as in how to speak and what to say. It's actually right next to each other in the Greek. So it's interesting that Jesus is telling us when we are in a tough situation before unbelievers, we are to refrain from preparing not only what we are to say, but how we're going to say it, how we're going to act. Two quick stories from the 20th century for you to demonstrate this. First, I went to Boston College and my professor there was Dr. Peter Kraft, and He told a story about a 10-year-old girl who was arrested for locking herself to an abortion center and she had her trial before a judge here in America. I think this was the 1980s. And the judge thought he had her in a logical loophole because he reminded her that our Lord said to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And this little 10-year-old girl who had been arrested for locking herself to an abortion center, maybe she was 12, but she wasn't, certainly wasn't an adult, 
She looked at the judge and she said, yes, but the president is not marked on each of the unborn children that we were trying to save. That's a perfect example. Even though I didn't get the quote right, sorry if Dr. Peter Kraft ever hears these, uh, I didn't get that quote exactly right, but it was, it was basically, yes, but the president is not marked on the unborn babies who we are saving. No one could have prepared her to say that. That was given to this little girl at the very moment because she didn't know that this judge was going to try to, quoting scripture against this little Christian girl. But she understood from God what she was to say at that moment. Okay, another story I want to tell you. Cardinal Kung, he was a great cardinal of the 20th century, late 20th century in China. And he spent many years in prison for Jesus Christ and his Catholic Church. He even spent many years in solitary confinement. And just like communists do, they tried to intimidate him. And in, in a giant soccer stadium full of tens of thousands of people, they humiliated him by putting pajamas on him. And I think they told him if he confessed, they would let him go. But either way, I do know for a fact they made him confess to his crimes, which are, of course, none, just only being a Christian. And they shove him up to this microphone. You hear probably some feedback. Silent stadium. And everyone's waiting for Cardinal Kuhn, this, I think, about five foot three, iron-willed man, right up to the microphone. He's supposed to confess his, his quote-unquote, sins before tens of thousands of Chinese. And the little man blurts out with a fully strong voice, Long live Christ the King. And I don't know how many people repeated it back, probably not tens of thousands, but perhaps thousands yelled back, Long live Christ the King. Communists were so mad they whisked him off to solitary confinement for, I think, a decade. He didn't know what he was going to say when he was shoved, probably by the butt of a rifle in his pajamas, up to a microphone in front of tens of thousands of people. And he just says, long live Christ the King. This is the example of someone who didn't prepare what to say, but knew the spirit of his father would be speaking through him. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Notice that's extremely intimate. And I would suggest, if you're doing the study way of prayer, this is the sentence I would suggest. You can pick anything from today, but that would be the one I'd suggest. That Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of your Father, and then says God is speaking through you. Very rare to have you twice in there. Uh, the word your and you is there in the Greek also. So it's very intimate of our Lord to link both God the Father and God the Holy Spirit to the indwelling in you when you're in a tough situation, especially when you're being persecuted for being Christian. And since it's Christ our Lord saying that, who is the second person of the Trinity, we have all three persons mentioned, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, mentioned when you are being persecuted. So notice, if you reread today's gospel, this isn't some sad talk. This is an amazing pep talk from our Lord. You know, sometimes we do have to prepare things in life, like I probably read too much off my Evernote for this VLX, but nobody would listen if I didn't prepare some things. But in other times in life, we have to prepare nothing. Like when I was arrested in abortion centers for praying peacefully in there and brought to cop stations, I was surprised at what came out of my mouth precisely because I wasn't preparing like I do prepare on this VLX series. But maybe a middle ground. Let me give you something. You know, not everyone's going to be brought before judges and bishops and things like that. Maybe a middle ground 
I'm going to give you two examples that even before persecution comes to your life, you might want to consider not preparing what to say in a couple of these examples. Number one, I made a video called How to Evangelize on an Airplane. And I won't go through the four steps, but the real thrust of it was listen to the person and listen to God. And then speak into their lives what they need to hear of Christ's salvation, his love for them, and any repentance that needs to take place. But most of that is listening. My entire series, that video rather, on evangelization on an airplane, the speaking part's very little. Most of it is listening to God and listening to what this person is saying. And then God will give you the words to hopefully anoint their lives. And number two, rehearsing conversations with your enemies, rehearsing conversations with your spouse, rehearsing in your brain conversations with people at work. It's usually not a good idea, right? Because, well, for a couple of reasons. We're usually preparing for the wrong thing or we try to get people in checkmate and then we win the argument and we lose the soul. So, I mean, how many of you out there have rehearsed what you're going to say to your spouse and then you know what your spouse is going to say in response, so then you have a rehearsed three possible rebuttals of your spouse. <laughs> I've done marriage counseling. I know how this goes for you guys. Um, and, and we do it. We priests do it too for the situations that we end in. But our Lord is telling us to trust him. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. All of this, of course, presupposes a prayer life. You can't really know what to say if you're not praying, if your ear's not to the rail of the Blessed Trinity. Let's talk a little bit about the imaginative way of prayer for today. As you might have remembered, we are still with Jesus and the 12 apostles. I'm not sure exactly where this is, but let's mentally place this around the Sea of Galilee, or rather at the shore, at the beach in the Sea of Galilee. And let's say it's just the 12 apostles and you and Jesus. Notice as you enter into this that this is like a coach and I don't mean to like downplay the divinity of Christ, right? But in some sense, Jesus is like this coach to the apostles giving this pep talk on persecution. What if we saw this as like, I don't want to say a game because losing our soul is not a very fun game. But if we saw Christ as this coach for like soccer players or football players on, on really how the battle is going to be fun and exciting, we might be able to sideline this idea that this is just this melancholic bewailing of what people are going to do to Christians. Um, no, this is our Lord prepping people in a, dare I say, exciting and fun way what persecution is going to be like. Um, I was in New Orleans this past week, and it turns out they have a whole system in their diocese for this Ignatian mental prayer, this whole thing that I'm trying to teach. And I looked at the binder. Um, someone gave me a binder to look through with uh, many pages. And it looks really good, I have to say. In fact, I learned one thing there. I realized looking through this Ignatian binder on mental prayer, one of the things I have been leaving out of this series is to pray for a particular grace. That's very Ignatian. That's very much like what St. Ignatius of Loyola would suggest that you guys do. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that today since I've been uh, leaving that out. So my suggestion for the imaginative way of prayer is picture walking with Christ our Lord on the beach of Galilee after this coaching prep talk, how suffering is going to come your way, and you know maybe see the face of the apostles and stuff. But the main part of the imaginative way of prayer is I want you to walk on the beach with Jesus, just the two of you, and talk about how persecution maybe has come to your life, what is currently in your life, and what will come. Ask the graces for any persecution that can come in your life. It's just the two of you walking after all the apostles were hanging out and hanging on Jesus' every word. 
Um, remember, only Christ could make it exciting and, dare I say, fun to even hear about how he's going to be working through you, yes, through you, when you get pulled aside by governments and even religious leaders. Synagogue there was almost transliterated the same in the Greek there. I think it was synagogas. And yes, religious leaders, if you listen closely there, every good priest I know has been pulled aside by religious leaders for speaking the truth. But only Christ could make the prospect of suffering with him thrilling. So walk the beach with Christ our Lord and ask him for those graces. And even kids can do this. Even kids are being made fun of these days for being Christian by other kids, for holding to their values. So kids, maybe ask our Lord to continue to stay innocent before your peers, but also ask Christ our Lord for their conversion. Really beg for their conversion. But especially pray that you never compromise, kids. There are many child martyrs who have held the faith, who have, who have stuck true to the gospel, and we are entering these days. Um, kids, talk to Jesus about how you ask for the grace to stay strong. Perhaps even a couple kids out there might even want to ask for the grace to be persecuted for Christ our Lord. Um, if that's too much, though, realize it's going to be coming. Now, personally, the two graces I asked for was, one, the strength to suffer for Christ, and two, to not prepare ahead of time or worry, as the gospel said. And three, that I would be given. Yes, if you look closely there, the word in the English and the Greek is given. Given how and what to say when I'm again dragged before judges, bishops, unbelievers, that I can be full of more love and more non-compromise than last time. This is today's gospel. More love, more non-compromise. Please say in our Father for me that I can practice what I preach. Et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, patris et filii et spiritus sancti, descendet super vos et maniet semper. Amen.